Hey, hope you're doing really well today in the Lord. Um, just going to talk today a little bit about sanctification and the work of um, the Spirit of God in us, uh, His church, uh, and as He's sanctifying us and just how that works. And um, hopefully this will stir you in that and cause more of a deeper sanctifying work in your own life. In Jesus' name. Hey guys, welcome to the Majestic One podcast. Excited to have you on with us today. The aim of this podcast is to bring us into a deeper love for Jesus through the revelation of Jesus in scripture. Jesus is so beautiful. May God use this episode today to help us to see his majesty in an ever-increasing light. God bless you. So a few passages for us are in 1 Corinthians, starting in chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1-2 says, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 30, But to him, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. There is a theme in all of these verses in that we are, through Jesus Christ, being sanctified. And the word sanctified means to be set apart. It means to be made holy. And God is working in his church to make us holy. Uh, The Bible says in Matthew, uh, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says to them, to be holy as I am holy. Um, And God has called us to be holy, um, not only just when we stand before him in heaven someday, but here and now in this life on this earth. Jude chapter 1 verse 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Hmm. And he goes on and says a couple verses later that he's concerned about people who've come into the church who are ungodly people, who are actually turning the grace of God into lewdness, and they're denying Jesus, uh, Jesus, the only salvation that we actually have, and they actually deny Jesus by turning the grace of God into the license to sin, uh, into using it to get away with sinning and thinking that you're fine with God. And the people of God are those who are 
sanctified. And uh, he's making very clear as he's writing to the church that those who are sanctified are those who are um, marked by God, those who actually belong to God. And it says in Hebrews 12 verse 14 that if we don't pursue holiness, we won't even see God. We will never be able to enter into his kingdom if we aren't being made uh, right with God, if we're not being sanctified. If God is not cleansing us and making us holy, then we have no part with him. Second Thessalonians 2.13 but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. <clears throat> I love how Paul the Apostle is constantly talking about grace and constantly talking about salvation by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, in multiple places, he talks about grace over and over. Romans 4, um, yeah, I could go to a lot of places. Galatians talks about it over and over. Paul is constantly teaching the church that we are saved by grace through faith. And here he mentions that too um, in verse yeah, verse 16. He talks about how God has given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. So this is all by grace. But um, in verse 13, he talks about salvation and sanctification. How God has chosen us for salvation through sanctification. Meaning, if we are going to be in Christ, that we have to also undergo sanctification. It says in Romans 8 that God has predestined that those who are in Christ Jesus are going to be conformed to his image. So if we are going to say yes to Jesus and give him our lives, we have no other option but to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And that is a great way of actually summarizing and, um, it, like, yeah, summarizing what it is for us to be sanctified. As we're being sanctified, we are going to look more and more like Jesus. And that's what we're called to be. First Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So this is pretty clear 
that God has chosen us through his knowledge beforehand and that he's chosen us that we would be sanctified by the Spirit of God for obedience. So obeying God is not optional if we're going to be saved through Jesus because we have to be sanctified as we abide in Jesus. It says in John 15 that if we abide in him, um, that he is going to prune us and he's going to cut away that which is not of him. And that is non-negotiable for us. And it seems that a lot of people teach this to be something that's negotiable, but that's exactly what Jude is talking about in verse 4 of Jude, where he says you know, people have come in and they've actually turned the grace of God into lewdness and they've corrupted grace. And uh, I'll just also read this here. Continue on in First Peter, it says in verse 22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. I just think it's neat that he says that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. And I think that's an element of us being sanctified, is that we are actually just saying yes to the Holy Spirit and we're obeying him. And as he leads us into truth, he's the one who purifies us. And he does this work within us, and that is his working of sanctifying, uh, cleansing, and making us more like Jesus. Acts 26, verse 18, Jesus comes and he encounters Paul. And this is where Paul literally encounters God for the first time. He sees a vision of God. He falls off of his horse on his way um, to go and persecute God's people. And he encounters the Lord. And at the end of God's, um, what God is speaking to Paul here, um, this is what Jesus says to Paul, verse 18. Uh, actually, I'll start in verse 17. I will deliver you, this is Jesus speaking to Paul, from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So it's really clear that we are sanctified by faith in Jesus. So this whole work of sanctification that God does inside of us is all by faith. That as we trust in Jesus to make us righteous, he's actually not just clothing us with some outward righteousness, but by his spirit who now dwells inside of us. He's actually working an inward righteousness that is born by the spirit of God and is actually within our hearts. That now our hearts are actually coming alive um, by the working of the spirit of God. I also want to share in Acts 20 verse 33. Uh, it says, this is Paul speaking um, 
to the people um, somewhere. I'm not exactly sure where he is. I think he's in Ephesus. Um, but he says this. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So again, um, God's people are those who are sanctified. And if you want to be in God's family, you have to be willing to be sanctified by the working of God's spirit within us. Romans fifteen sixteen. That I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So again, God is sanctifying us, but he's doing it by the Holy Spirit. And so as the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of us, we are made right with God and we're sanctified. Uh, this is all made possible <clears throat> through Jesus because he died on the cross and he took our sins when he was crucified. So I hope to s that it's made clear that we are not able to be saved without sanctification and we're not able to have sanctification without salvation like that salvation and sanctification go together they're hand in hand and you can't separate the two from each other but i also want to talk about three different stages of sanctification and three different stages of salvation and i'm going to start in first corinthians six eleven, which says and such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Uh, here Paul is talking about people who are walking in darkness just before verse 11. And how that as they've been walking in darkness, they are separated from God. And then he talks about, but such were some of you. This is what you used to be. But now, this is who you are. And he says, you are washed. And so this is, this is something that has happened in the past. He says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So there is a past reality that this has actually happened um, you and I in Jesus, we already have been sanctified. And we right now are not perfect in and of ourselves, but in Jesus we are, and we're becoming who we have already been made to be. And that's what he's saying. Um, I'm also going to read Hebrews 10, verse 10. It says this. Uh-huh. Okay, let me read, starting in verse 8. Sacrifice and offering uh, for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. So Jesus is establishing uh, this new covenant that could actually take away sins. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, said, Behold 
the Lamb of God, not a Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. And it says in Revelation that Jesus was slain even before the foundation of the world. So he's always been God's true sacrifice. And in the Old Testament, all the sacrifices that were made were just merely uh, pointing to the real sacrifice that was one day to come that could actually take away sin. Then verse 10 says, By that, meaning God's true sacrifice, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So he only had to die once and he died for all people. And because he actually dealt with sin, he doesn't have to keep dying for sin. It's not that every time we sin, he has to come back and die again because obviously he would be, he would never be able to leave uh, and actually intercede for us seating being seated at the right hand of the father and yeah so we are sanctified through jesus jesus died for our sanctification he died so that we would be set free from sin hebrews ten fourteen then says this for by one offering jesus has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So this is now in the present tense. Before those things were something that happened in the past. Uh, but this is speaking of us in the present tense that right here and right now, that those who are receiving Jesus's righteousness are being sanctified. So if we are saying yes to God's salvation, we're saying, yes, Jesus, you are the only one who can save me. You are the only one who can be my Lord. You are the only one who can tell me how to live. If we're saying yes to him, this is what he's going to do. He's going to sanctify us. And there is no salvation apart from sanctification. And there's no sanctification apart from salvation. So the sanctifying work that God is doing in us as he's pruning us and he's convicting us of sin and he's leading us away from sin and he will not allow us to continue in sin. If you read the book of 1 John, it is clear on that. It talks about it over and over and over and over that if we have been born of God, it says in uh, 1 John 3, 9, that we cannot sin, that our nature has been changed and our nature will not even agree with sin because the Spirit of God cannot sin, hates sin, and doesn't tolerate it at all. And so, yeah, so this is a present tense reality that God is doing. Also, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. And it says, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So for us to be children of God, if we're to be in God's family and Jesus himself calls us brethren, it's because we are being sanctified. And this is in present tense, and this is not something that has just happened in the past. You know, you don't get saved and now you're completely sanctified and of having no need of being sanctified anymore you have a need in the past you have a need in the present and you have a need in the future until we reach god off 
in heaven and we're actually fully perfected, um, which we can talk about that now. First uh, Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. So this is something that we are called to. This is where we're heading. And this is something that we will find ultimately in Jesus when we stand before him, that we've been sanctified and, and fully in God's eyes, we are righteous and right with God. And yet in the present tense, he's working that out in the natural in our lives and we're being changed and God's doing that within us. And this is not an option if we're going to be in his family. But then when we actually stand before him in Christ Jesus, it says in uh, Romans 8 that if we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, God will actually give us uh, a brand new body. <laughs> and God is going to give us resurrection life. And uh, that's in several places. Um, but we will receive from God a brand new life. And in that new body will have no sin in it. First John 1, 8 through 10 talks about how sin dwells in our body. So does Romans 7. And so there's a day coming that through God's sanctifying work, we will actually be able to stand before him in a new body that has no capacity for sin and having a spirit that's been completely remade that has no capacity for sin, where we'll actually dwell in his kingdom without any ability to walk in sin. Any sinful nature will be completely removed and there's going to be absolutely no corruption there. Um, it's clear, though, that Paul does not believe that we're going to achieve this state in this life because as long as we're in this body, there is an element of sin that abides in it. He talks about that in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16. And then he also talks about this a little bit in Romans eight thirty, where he talks about how God has glorified those uh, who are in Jesus. And this is something he's speaking of uh, in a past, present, and futuristic um, way of of talking about it. So we have been made completely right with God, but this is something that in the past he has brought this about. And so we've been covered by the blood of Jesus and God sees us without any sin. Then he puts his spirit in us. And now as his spirit lives inside of us, he begins to purify sin and he gets, begins to take it away and remove it from our lives. And now he's doing a work within us to make us what we are outwardly to God. He makes that inwardly. And that's not an option. And he's going to do that until we die. But then when we are resurrected with Christ, he's going to give us a brand new body. And that brand new body will have no sin dwelling in it at all. And so there will be no need of the Holy Spirit to continue to do a sanctifying work because we will be fully sanctified. And just as he said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, he's crying out that God would do this completely, and he will. He's going to do that completely in all of us when we stand before him in Christ, made righteous by the grace of God alone. Now we have kind of a bit of a more challenging uh, 
scripture I want to read, and it's still in Hebrews 10, um, but this is Hebrews um, 10, 26 through 29. It says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who rejects Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. And it kind of keeps going. Uh, I'll read this next couple verses. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So this is pretty intense. He talks about people who have been sanctified by Jesus. That... If they insult the spirit of grace and they trample Jesus, though they were sanctified, they are under the wrath of God. This is really clear. And he says in verse 26 that if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there isn't a sacrifice for sins. He isn't just meaning that if we sin one time, we're cut off. Uh, and if we know that it's sin and we still choose it, we're cut off. He's not saying that. Um, he is saying, though, that if we are going to persist in sin, we're going to have to choose between following Christ or not. And this is really clear. And that if you come to a point in persisting in sin, that God will actually reject you. And because you know it's sin and you still continue in it, you're actually not able to really truly repent. And because you can't truly repent, you can't truly be cleansed. Because without repentance, there is actually no um, place for God to actually bring salvation to you. And so this is a really intense uh, passage. And um, it kind of brings up that discussion where a lot of people debate if you can or cannot lose your salvation. And that is something that maybe can be divisive, and I don't think it should be. Um, I think this is pretty clearly saying that you can um, step outside of God's grace and that if you walk away, that you're not covered anymore and that your sins are uh, exposed. And maybe some people would disagree with that pretty strongly, but I want to read just a few other passages that make this pretty clear, and um, I just want to preach what the Bible says. So, all right, so Colossians 1, 21 through 23, it says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now Jesus has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And then here's the clause. This is the condition. If indeed you continue in the faith, 
grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So he's saying, this is who you are. You're made holy and blameless and above reproach in God's sight. This is all what Jesus purchased on the cross. And then, he, But here's the condition that you must continue in the faith. So this grace comes and saves you by faith, but you have to remain in faith and in the faith. And if you step outside of the faith, you're actually no longer righteous. You're no longer made holy in God's sight through Jesus Christ. That's so clearly what he's saying. And if you're not convinced, let's go to Romans 11. Romans 11, uh, 19 through 23 says, You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who felt severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And if they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. So he's very clearly saying that we have to continue in God's goodness if we're going to be saved and that we can step outside of that by unbelief and that those who are outside of it by unbelief can also come back in through faith. And so we're saved by grace through faith, but we have to be in the faith if we want to receive the salvation that Jesus has purchased on the cross. And then I will also share another couple verses here back in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, um, verses 12 through 14. 12 through 14. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you a evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So we have to be careful that there's not in any of us an evil heart of unbelief and a departing from God. And that's why we're to exhort one another daily, um, lest through sin we would be hardened and the deceitfulness of sin would actually blind us and we'd no longer be able to see, we'd no longer be able to follow. And then he says, gives a condition that we are partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. If we hold the faith that we have in Jesus all the way until the end, then we are actually partakers of his salvation. But apart from that, we aren't. And so we have to be careful that we stay in the faith and that we're actually guarding ourselves against unbelief and we're guarding ourselves against sin because it's really sin that comes in 
that begins to harden your heart. And if you let sin harden your heart, you can be deceived to the point of unbelief. And at that point, there's actually no salvation for you because the blood of Jesus can no longer cover your sin because you're in unbelief. And grace only comes to those who believe on the Lord Jesus. I was really convicted when reading Romans 8 recently, and I need to share a couple verses that God spoke to me about. But this one right here in Romans 8, verse 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So if we persist in living according to our flesh and its sinful nature, and we aren't putting it off by the Holy Spirit and by His power, the Bible says that you and I will be cut off and that we actually will not live. We will actually die. We'll be separated from God eternally. And the context is so clear that He's not talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. And then He says right in that, the verse right after that, He says, uh, For those who are children of God are led by the Holy Spirit. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit if we want to be in His family. And if we're being led by the flesh and live, and we live according to the flesh, we're going to die and we're not His children. Galatians 5 says the exact same thing. Verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if we live according to the flesh and we practice things of the flesh, we'll be cut off and we won't actually inherit God's kingdom and we will abide in death for ever and it's crazy as that is um it, we need to fear we need to fear the lord and we need to follow him out of out of the fear of the lord we should run from sin and it says also in first thessalonians 4 verses 3 through 4 it talks about sanctification and it specifically is talking about god's sanctifying work cleansing us from sexual sin and the first um, one, two, three, four, f four things here on Paul's list in Galatians 5 are those exact kinds of sins. And constantly the Bible talks about them a lot. And I think that's a very, that's a huge area that the enemy likes to come at us. And we need to be really on guard with those kinds of things. Um, yeah. Lastly, I want to share from Titus and then First John. So Titus 2, verse 11, and let's see, 11 through 14. This is what it says. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And this is what the grace of God that brings salvation does. It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessing, blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, 
that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So this is what the grace of God actually teaches us, that we should deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. He's not just talking about us being right with God in some future sense. He's talking about us here and now walking in holiness. And that's what the grace of God actually teaches us. It also says in 1 John 3 verses 4 through 9, says this whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness and you know that jesus was manifested to take away our sins and in jesus there is no sin whoever abides in jesus does not sin whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him little children let no one deceive you he who practices righteousness is righteous just as jesus is righteous He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Thanks so much for being with us today. I pray that the presence of God will manifest more richly in your life after listening to this episode. May God help us to see Jesus for who he is and cause us to fall in love with his glory. God bless.